If you'll take your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Luke chapter number two. Such a probably a familiar portion of scripture we've all read time and time again. And I would like to encourage you to be in your place next Sunday as next Sunday will be Vision Sunday. And we will outline the entire year, next year. And uh, we'll have a budget ready for next year. And in the middle of the month, we'll probably have architectural drawings of the new building that's going to go on, wrap around this building, about 20 more thousand square feet to enable Sunday school growth and what have you. And uh, give you a wonderful opportunity of investment in $2 million worth of church bonds. And uh, you say, uh, what are you going to do with $2 million? I'm going to buy one good coon dog. (laughs) And enough feed to feed him through the millennium. Answer a fool according to his folly. And so, next Sunday, if you would like to see the direction in which your church is going to go and and open avenues by which we can reach more people for Christ, that's what this is all about. It's not building a dynasty, it's building a work for the glory of God and and, uh, the part you can have in it. And, and, uh, you know, I, I just rejoice... I was looking this week, a couple of more years, and we would be completely out of debt. And we have enough money in the bank right now to clear all indebtedness of the Joshua Baptist Church. Uh, but what fun would it be being out of debt and not have anything to worry about? <laughs> and I want, to com- I want to commend many of you folks. You invested into our church many years ago. Uh, in church bonds, I know you're suffering for Jesus, drawing 9% compound interest on your investment. I know you're suffering for Jesus on account of that. But I want you to know, if you'll just look at all the multitudes that have been saved as a result of your investment in the Lord's work, plus... The interest that you've drawn out of the Lord's work, it's a win-win situation any way you look at it. So uh, next Sunday, uh, we'll try to show you what we're going to try to accomplish next year. And budget, of course, next month is our favorite month of the year. Our attendance kind of wilts a little bit during January, but they'll come back up in February because we'll be talking about money all month, next month. And so it gives you a good excuse to stay home. Either that or it bears out that every time you come to church, the preacher talks about money. (laughs) Just mention the word and a lot of you get pale. We must have brought some vampire bats with us this morning. And when I said money, they grabbed your toe and sucked all the blood out. 
By the way, has any of the department stores during Christmas mentioned money? Have you uh, been reminded that you have to pay for what you get? Let's look at our Bible before I run the whole service talking about money. I'd like to begin reading for you about heaven's child in verse 7 of Luke chapter 2. Brother Pickett, you're getting a text. You want me to answer it for you? It's Santa Claus. <laughs> and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And there shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. Now, I don't want to break in on the scripture reading, but can you imagine the emotions that is stirring in the heart of these shepherds when suddenly in the dark of the night coming upon them was the angel. And the glory of God shined round about them. Probably that might have made a lasting impression on them fellows. What would it take for God to make a lasting impression on you today? The same thing that happened to the shepherds could happen to us today. This does not have to be a normal day. It does not have to be a normal service. We can leave this place different than when we came. But the choice is ours. Only by us 
getting into the theater of the situation and realizing what happened, can we allow it to happen to us? Now, the angel is there. The message has been given. And the Bible said, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. Wouldn't it be something today if we'd learn how to praise God again? And saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. It came to pass. As the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another. Wow. You say that's not in there. I bet what they said was pretty close to that. Hmm. Or maybe they were Baptist. Just another good service. Right? If it had been a lot of our members, they'd have said, boy, I wish I'd have been there. You'll get that after a while. And let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. All they that heard it wondered. At those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept these things and pondered them in their heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Let's pray today and ask God to kind of help us for just a minute. Our Father, today we Thank you for this day. Thank you for the event it commemorates. Thank you, Lord, that there was a baby born in Bethlehem, which was the son of David, the son of God. Came to take away the sins of the world. I pray today there's one person in this place that has not ever been saved, does not know in their heart that heaven is their home, today they may receive the most wonderful Christmas gift of all, and that's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We pray this in his name, most wonderful name. Amen. I'll just be honest with you today. Christmas brings to me a lot of pressure and stress. I put it off as long as I can. And yesterday I made a bad dash to do all of my Christmas shopping yesterday. 
I walked the aisles of the department stores that I went to, and I did not know that junk cost so much. If it had not been 25% off, I would have thought it was highway robbery. I suffer from self-inflicted huge deadlines and enormous goals. I ask myself, what can I get a woman for Christmas who has the world's best husband? That's what I ask myself. And then I say, what can I buy for a bunch of brats that does not appreciate what I'm buying them anyhow? U.S. Today said that money is the greatest stressor in all of humanity. USA Today says, and quote, 2010, $4,465 billion was spent over the Christmas season. $465 billion spent much of that Because the pressure and stress placed on us by the world of commercialism. We teach our kids that Christmas is governed, the success thereof, by how much junk we can get. And actually, all we're doing is making junkies out of our kids. And we spend and spend and spend and spend trying to prove to our family how much we love them one time a year. And it's governed by how much junk we can gather and put under a Christmas tree that we spent ridiculous amount of money on. Just for that sucker to be in the way for three or four days. Uh, My name is not Gene McScrooge now. Do you and have you felt the pressure placed on us by the world these last few days? Hope she likes it. I hope it fits. I thought that was your size, honey. (laughs) Oh, that's what I got you last year. You haven't worn the one I got you last year. And I've been having a nervous breakdown trying to do this. Did you, any of you have any last minute rush jobs? A woman 
in a lash rush had not sent out any Christmas cards. And so in a last hurry and rush, she went to the store and there, lo and behold, were Christmas cards on sale. She just grabbed a box up, not knowing that they all had the same message on it, went home, addressed them and sent them all off except one. A couple of days later, she said, I think I'll read what's inside that card. It said, this card is just to say a special gift is on the way. Terry, it ain't time to pray, bud. (laughs) Could I speak to you today on the real gift? Christmas is a gift. But we've turned it into a burden. We've turned it into into an absolute uh, horrible day instead of a holy day. And Christmas actually... Is a gift. The gift of God's presence. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That's the gift, the presence of the Lord. As you know, there's four Gospels in your Bible Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And as you know, they're all written by the Holy Ghost, given to these men of the Holy Ghost. But each man writes from a different perspective, different personality, and different view. Matthew presents Jesus Christ as king. Thereby, chapter number one starts out with a genealogy. All kings have a royal genealogy. You jump into Mark and there's no genealogy. Nothing said about the birth of Christ. Because Mark presents Jesus as a servant. And a servant, it's not necessary that he have a genealogy that goes back to a king. You come to the book of Luke and there again you find a genealogy. And Luke presents him as a man. The son of man. In the book of Matthew, the genealogy goes back to Joseph, the father. In Luke, it's Mary's genealogy. And in John, presents Jesus as God. And God needs no genealogy. And in John, there's no birth given. It just says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were created by Him, and not anything was made was made except He made it. And the Word was made flesh, God with us, and we beheld His glory. Today is you and I realizing that God is with us. He's with us. That's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is a gift from God to us. Wrapped in swaddling clothes. Laid in a manger. And it is God's gift to us. Christmas teaches us that true joy is not the freedom from problems. But true joy 
is the presence of Jesus Christ in our life. You got that? Look at the text. I'd like to read for you the text. Verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. I'd like to talk to you today about the enduring gift of great joy. A lot of Christians has lost not their salvation, but the joy of God's salvation. And if anything will rob us of our joy, it's Christmas. It's buying trees, buying decoration. Make sure the lights on the outside are all lit up. Make sure that all the bulbs are just right. Just make sure that it's all right. And the wrapping paper. I think I I started to wrap my wife's gift in a sword of the Lord. I had a present wrapping party last night in my office at the house. And I went in there and just closed the door and got them bags and put it in there and stuck some stuff in it. That's how I wrap things. And told them to save the bags for next year. What we got to do, folk, is just loosen up a little bit. And realize this day's about him and not about us. It's about him, not us. I bet you came to church today so that you'd get something. Wrong reason. You ought to come today to give him something. Worship is not us getting. Worship is him getting. Worship is we are the participants, and he is the congregation. Can you say amen? And so uh, we want to talk about lasting joy. Look at these shepherds, if you would, please. The Bible says that these fellows were standing at night, keeping watch over the sheep. Verse 9, and lo, the angel of the Lord. When it says the angel of the Lord, it is quite different from an angel of the Lord. This one is the angel of the Lord. What if this is a pre-incarnate appearing of the one who is going to be in the manger. You say, man, that blows my mind. There's a lot of things God can do that'll blow our PB, PB brain mind. What if this is the one who's in the manger who says, you guys want to come to my party? I'm having a birthday party. It's called Christmas. And the angel of the Lord spoke to the shepherds, if you would please. And if you note something, it was just a wonderful, wonderful day. 
And here's what they said. The angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. Now, that would have been an understatement on my part. You could have wrote right there, scared to death. Now, I know some of you folks are so spiritual that if that were to happen to you, you would just absolutely absorb it. Me, I would fake a shout so I could run. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for I bring you good tidings of great Does it bring any joy to your heart to realize that the God of heaven, the God of creation, made a visit down here to save your sorry soul? To do for you what you could not do for yourself. To do for you what Obama and all the other presidents can't do for you. You think that could muster up a smile on your face? That God loves you so much that he would become a little baby to grow into a grown man, to hang on a cross, to be the Savior of the world. Now, if I know the TV cameras can keep up with me, if they can't, just put it on Brother John right there. Let him see. Let him see, John. If I were to tell Brother John today, Brother John, in the parking lot, I have a brand new Mercedes automobile. Here's the key. How long do you think it'd take him to tell his wife? How long has it took you to tell that a Savior, Amen. that Christmas, that somebody has given you the gift of all gifts? Don't ever forget this. There is no joy in disobedience. Never, 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 never is there any joy in disobedience. The reason those shepherds could leave that place with great joy, praising God, glorifying God is, number one, is they heard, they choose to hear the message of Christmas. Here it is, verse 8 through 12. And the Bible says in verse number 8, Shepherds biding in the field. Verse 9, Angel of the Lord appeared unto them, and they were so afraid. Verse 10, The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Here it is. For unto you is born this day. Might ought to note something. In the book of Matthew, 
when the wise men found the Lord, it was not Christmas Day. Because they identified Jesus as the child, a small child. It took a while for them to get to the east to where they are. This is the Christmas story. This day, hey shepherds, this very day is born unto you in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. <laughs> and uh, he says this, and this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall see the child, babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Have you ever heard, have you ever heard this story? Anybody here ever heard this story? Anybody here ever heard this story? Have you ever read this story in the Bible? Have you ever heard anybody read this story? Have you ever heard it? No, no more. I mean, I mean have you really heard it? Have you really heard? Have you ever let it sink in? Have you ever really, really, really let it sink in? Who was born that day? Well, I'm talking about Christmas trees and a fat, ugly, beardy old man hung in every chimney in the world. Who can make eight billion visits in one night. You talk about bionic reindeer. <laughs> He's the same guy that taught rabbits how to lay eggs. <laughs> huh? We're not talking about a little fat, chubby, beardy man. I'm talking about the God of all gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator and the sustainer of all the earth was born this day to be your Savior. To be your Savior. Not to be your Santa Claus. Not to fill your Christmas tree with a bunch of gifts. But give you the greatest gift of all. A forgiveness of sins. A total worst job. And prepare you a home in heaven. That's what this day is all about. Oh, you say, preacher, I've heard that story again and again and again. Have you really heard it? See, the Bible says, Jesus said, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit said. You've heard it and it just rumbles and goes and, and, and it don't mean anything. And oh, uh, the message was a Savior is born unto you. A Savior. Why? A Savior. Do you need a Savior? As pure and white and clean as you are? You who have never told a lie? You who have never been angry? You who do not swell up in pride and arrogance? You who think nothing about missing church? Why a Savior? Could it be 
that you need one? Could it mean that everyone needs a Savior? Because the Bible said it's for all people. You say, well, preacher, I don't, uh, I, I, I don't realize. Why would I need a Savior? I'm married. That's why you need one. So I got kids. You need one. Why would you need a Savior? You're an American. You pay your own bills and you got American Express. You never leave home without it. Because you're born separated from God. And when Adam and Eve moved out of the garden at God's request, left a big hole in the human heart. Do you know that God created everything on this world, in this world to, to, to function in its own environment. God created you and I to function in Him, not out of Him. God created fish to create to function in water. Take a fish out of the water and put him on the bank. He's only got one problem. He's out of his environment. And that fish will lay there and flop and flip and flop and flip himself to death. Trying to find the solution to his problem. His problem is, now listen, he's trying to function outside of his God-given environment. God created men, women, boys, and girls to function in him. And when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, God said, you shall surely die the day you do that. And they died spiritually and God expelled them from the garden And man, since that time, has been trying to function outside of his God-given environment. There's a big hole in your heart that only God can fill. And you're trying to fill it with the world and with other people and kids. Well, if I could just have 15 kids, that would be all I'd need. No, you need a shotgun. With one shell. Nothing. Nothing. In this world. Or out of this world. Will ever fix this thing. That's void in your heart. And God knew that. So God sent his son. To be your Savior. Not a Baptist Savior. Not a Church of God Savior. Not a a Church of Christ Savior. But Christ the Lord. He alone can fix that emptiness. That void. That searching. That produces enduring joy unspeakable and full of glory. 
And the shepherds went away praising and glorifying God. Wouldn't it be something if we could do that today? First of all, they had to hear the message of Christmas. What is your message of Christmas? What message have you been teaching your family this Christmas? What really is important around your house this week? Today, when you have your Sunday dinner, would you be more consistent in thanking Santa Claus for the meal or Jesus? They heard the message. They obeyed the message. The Bible says in, I don't have time to finish, verse 13. It says this. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. It's one thing to hear the message, but it's another thing to obey the message. You need to realize this. The shepherds had a choice to stay on the job and watch the sheep or go to Bethlehem and get a little joy. They, they had a choice. They could either uh, spend the night with the sheep or end the night with a shout. They could deal with their profession or they could have peace. What if these guys hadn't have gone? You think maybe if these guys stayed well, you, you got to realize this now, Angel. We've got a bunch of sheep here we've got to take care of. This is our livelihood. This is what we do for a living. This, I, I know there's a special visitation from heaven. I know that God has come to earth. I know this is a special day. But we got some sheep we got to take care of. And what if they disobeyed the angel and five or six years later they begin to say, I wonder what might have been. I wonder if those guys really knew what they was talking about. Do you know anybody that has said no to God a few years ago? And now they're wondering, wonder why I didn't say yes instead of no. I wonder why the shepherds had to say fear not. You know what will rob you of all your joy? It's fear. 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 You know, before those guys ever obeyed, the angel had to say, now there's one thing we've got to deal with. We've got to get that fear out of your life. Fear always fights your faith. Fear. Fear is natural. 
Faith is supernatural. Fear hinders. Faith enables. Fear says no. Faith said yes. Faith says joy. Fear says job. Faith (laughs) says shout. Fear says God take care of the sheep. See, the Bible always ties joy and obedience. And what's so good about it, it's never too late to obey. The Bible says in verse 16, it says that they they left and verse number 16, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. I bet after they found Jesus, those sheep must have sent must have seemed awful insignificant. You got to hear the message, obey the message, and this is so good. Look at this. They chose to share the message. John, have you told her about that Mercedes yet? I didn't know what to buy my wife for Christmas. I really wasn't worried about it. I was about to have a nervous breakdown. Two days ago, two dead beaches opened my house, Andrew and JT. And I looked at number one dead beat and I said, Andrew, do you think your mother would like an iPad for Christmas? He knew that she is getting me one. And he said, Dad, I think she'd like an iPad. That's when I thought they were 400. Have you ever been in church and the offering plate comes by and you want to give a dollar? And you reach in your wallet and you pull it out and all there is in there are 20 and everybody in the church is looking at you? Have you ever done that? Have you ever bought a dollar blessing with a $20 bill? Hmm? I asked Andrew, I said, Andrew, you think my wife, my wife, your mom might want an iPad for Christmas? A $400 iPad. They ain't no such animal. And last night, My wife and I, in Christian love, exchanged iPads. (laughs) Have you told her about the Mercedes yet? Yes. How long did it take you? Not very long. It didn't take these guys very long. To realize that Christmas was a gift. And it was a gift for everybody. For guys that plays guitars. And for ladies that buy them. (laughs) For guys from California that still roots for the Lakers. 
and for guys who don't root for any of them suckers. They shared the gift. There is joy in sharing. He that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. The most miserable Christian in all the world who's got the wonderful message of grace wrapped up in their heart, keeping it in prison, not sharing it with anybody in the world. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It don't say make the redeemed say so. Once you've met the Savior, once you've been to Christmas, once you've got the gift, you can't help but share in the good news of Jesus Christ. And if you want enduring joy, I'm talking about joy unspeakable and full of glory. The kind that Nehemiah spoke of, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. If you want that, you must receive, hear, receive, and share the good news of Christmas. And the good news of Christmas is not Santa Claus. Someone has said the first duty of every soul is to find not freedom, but its master. Who masters your soul today? Another one said instant obedience is the only kind of obedience there is. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Whoever strives to withdraw from obedience withdraws from grace. Hear the message. Receive the message. Share the message. 